Liberty Solutions here. We are a no whining allowed show on what the people can actually do about today's problems. Who decides, you or a DC career politician surrounded by marble and money? We like facts, so caution out to prisoners of their own drama. There's logic here. As Mark Twain said, politicians and diapers need to be changed often and for the same reason. Happy Constitution Day. Today's episode is on September 17th, the 231st year anniversary of the signing of our federal constitution at Philly's Independence Hall. This is when they finished writing it and submitted it to the states for ratification. It's an important holiday about the founding of our union. I celebrated by giving out 50 copies of the Constitution to some friends and to some students at a local high school where I taught a one-hour overview. So the timeline here, May 25th, 1787, the Constitutional Convention opened in Philly. On September 17th, same year, 1787, the state delegates finished writing, and they approved it and signed it, and they adjourned. Uh, there was 12. Rhode Island didn't show up for the meeting. And then the next year, on June 21st, 1788, the ninth state ratified. That was New Hampshire. That's when the Constitution became effective, and that's when the start of our union in, the, in its current form began. So September 17th and June 21st are both important holidays. The law that requires Constitution Day to be taught in public school is Public Law 108-477, Section 3B. It says, Each educational institution that receives federal funds for fiscal year shall hold an educational program on the U.S. Constitution on September 17th of such year for the students served by the educational institution. That was signed into law on December of 2004. Another interesting law is Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, and it says the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government. It's interesting, the word democracy appears nowhere in the Constitution or any of the Federalist Papers. Webster's defines a republic as a form of government in which the supreme power resides in a body of citizens. Another part of a republic is that the government is run by representatives that are elected by the, by the citizens. Our union's a constitutional republic. It's constitutional is that it's a republic defined by a written constitution as a union of sovereign states. The elected government are representatives of the sovereign people, and they are required to follow what's written down in the constitution. That's the supreme law. The sovereign in America is the people. It's not a king. It's not a court. It's not a Congress. It's not a president. If the people don't like the federal government, they can legally, and they have a duty to change it or abolish it entirely, fire everybody in D.C. and try again. Thought a little bit about the money here. Relative to the Constitution, Congress is the one that makes the laws, as it says in Article 1, Section 8, and the Constitution defines what Congress has to do, and it, it, they're limited. It's not that many things. It's only one page in the pocket version. So they have the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the states, establish a rule of naturalization. Immigration is their job. They can coin money. 
They do post offices and post roads. They can punish pirates and felonies committed on the high seas, declare war, raise and support armies and a navy, call forth the militia, and exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over the district that's the seat of the government of the United States, and all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state. So they have authority within the state, within state borders, over uh, any place that they have a military base, and also they have authority in D.C. And they make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers. That's pretty much it. That's the end of the section. If Congress was only doing that, they wouldn't need very much money. As it is, they now owe $21 trillion by the fake government accounting methods. And using standard business practices, it's somewhere above $100 trillion. I don't know the number. I've seen various versions of it, but they're all over $100 trillion. No business is allowed to account the way the federal government does. And it's a problem. They borrow a trillion dollars a year against the next generation to pay for all the military and the entitlement programs and sweet deals for their campaign contributors. And we pay them to sit around and debate how much water we're allowed to use per legal flush in our home toilets. So for Constitution Day, I volunteered to teach first in a public school in Martin County, Florida, where I live, which uh, I got rejected for that. And then I ended up teaching in a um, homeschool cooperative. So when I got it, I wrote a letter, and I'm going to read my letter. I sent it to the editor, and I sent it to a bunch of other places. So here's my letter. Does your child's school know of Public Law 108-477? This 2004 federal law requires the U.S. Constitution be taught each September 17th in all schools which receive federal funding. Constitution Day is the anniversary of the September 17th, 1787 signing of the Constitution in Philadelphia. I volunteered to guest teach this 917 in a Martin County, Florida public school. I'm an educational writer on current events relative to the Constitution. The county school administration met with the Bar Association. They determined I don't meet their, quote, criteria, their word, to teach a Constitution overview solely because I do not hold a law degree. Only a lawyer is, quote, qualified in their view. My engineering degree is not considered useful here. But the U.S. Constitution was written to be understood by the average citizen. No degree is required. The requirement to study the Constitution at Harvard Law School was removed by former Dean Kagan. If that name sounds familiar, Elena Kagan's current position is Associate Justice, U.S. Supreme Court. Does your high school teach the Constitution? This rejection is another example of the lack of control over our children's education. The good news is a Martin County homeschool collaborative slash private school embraced my offer. I taught a high school class on Constitution Day. Then I ended, please see the link below for information on what the people can do about taking back control over their children's education. And I referenced conventionofstates.com. So after that, I didn't try to get back to the public school, but I figured, game on, boys. I'm going to tell people this story. So now I'm telling you. I also sent it to a letter to the editor to the paper. It went to the Convention of States website, got published on Constitution Day. I handed out about 30 copies of this to parents who were waiting in line at a school. 
Florida Citizens Alliance Education Foundation and Hillsdale College is going to publish it. I sent it to some congressmen, senators, school board, bunch of Facebook groups, and some state senators and congressmen. If you got any ideas, anybody else would be interested in that story, let me know. Anyway, I taught 30 students at a student Florida, Stewart, Florida, homeschool collaborative private school called For the Love of Learning. There's some sharp kids in there. Most of them were previously homeschooled. I mostly taught them by questions, and they asked a lot of good questions of me and had some quite interesting responses. I have a few slides. I'm going to blast through my slides here. So my first slide is the first steps. I asked them, what are our fundamental rights and where do they come from? The answer is life, liberty, and property and the defense of all three. And the kids had some good answers for this, good thoughtful input. The rights come from the concept of natural rights or common law. Sir William Blackstone in 1765 wrote a book on this. And he said, the principal aim of society is the enjoyment of those absolute rights which were vested in them by the immutable laws of nature. That's where rights come from, and that's what the government's for. Then I asked the kids, why do people want a government? Got some very interesting responses there. Another question, what was the Declaration of Independence for, and what does it say? Why did the colonists go to war with the King of England? What was first, the states or the federal government? Next slide is on the federal government authority. I asked him, what's our federal constitution for? And what's the federal constitution do? Who are the parties to the compact of the federal constitution? That created some debate. The answer is the states. Federal government has no part in the constitution. They're not a party to it legally. It's the states and the people that created it. What's the form of central government created by the federal constitution? It's a constitutional republic. It's interesting the word democracy appears nowhere in the Constitution or any of the Federalist Papers. As Ben Franklin said, a democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what to have for dinner. What makes a law passed by the federal government justified? It follows the Constitution. And I talked about the different articles. So the first one defines the Congress. That's the legislative branch. Second one defines the president or the executive. Third one defines the courts or the judiciary branch. Fourth guarantees that a Republican form of government in all states. Fifth is, or to all states. Fifth is modification of the Constitution via amendments. And there's two methods. One that's been used 27 times where Congress proposes an amendment. The second method is where the states get together and have a convention And they propose an amendment. And in both cases, it goes out to the states for ratification. Only the states can change the Constitution, ultimately. All the federal government could do is propose changes. Article 6, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and all federal laws must follow the Constitution. And 7 is just when you get nine states ratified it, the Constitution takes effect. And that's what happened in 1788, when our union started. Talked about the Bill of Rights. Uh, 1 through 10, they were ratified in 1791 as a package, even though they were written separately. There was actually 12, but they only ratified 10 back then. And I brought up a few, the First Amendment, Second Amendment, the Fourth, Fifth, Ninth, and Tenth. Uh, The kids knew most of them. The Tenth was the only one that uh, none of the kids knew what it was, and that's the one where any uh, 
authority not delegated expressly to the federal government goes to either the states or the people. And uh, an interesting story, I skipped Amendment 3. I didn't think they would be that into it, and I got called out for them. These were sharp kids. They didn't let me get away with anything. So the one one student says, "What's where's the three? Why didn't you bring up three? And I said, well, you got your constitution. Why don't you look it up while I'm talking? And this about 13-year-old girl in the back raises her hand. I call her, and she says, well, three is the one where the government is not allowed to make you let soldiers sleep in your house. I thought that's pretty good. These these kids are not starting from scratch on this. I thought it was pretty cool that a 13-year-old kid knew what the Third Amendment was. Last question I asked on this is, how many rights are granted by the government in the Bill of Rights? Got a few good answers. One person said 27. That's cool. Kid knew that uh, there was 27 amendments, but they're not all about rights. And I brought up the example, well, the one about alcohol prohibition was certainly not about rights. Somebody else said 10, because that's the Bill of Rights. That's a good answer. The real answer is zero. No rights are granted by the government in the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights just recognizes some of the rights that the people have, but there are no rights provided by the government. Government may infringe on rights, but they don't grant them. And then I had a job description. What is the job of Congress? What's the job of the president? What's the job of the Supreme Court? The answer, of course, is Congress makes laws. That's all they do. They also do the budget. The president executes the laws. The president's not allowed to make laws. The president's not allowed to make budgets. And the Supreme Court hears cases before them relative to the Constitution and the federal laws and judges what the people before them should do. Nothing the pre- no opinion of the Supreme Court applies outside the people before them. One of the uh, mothers at the end I was talking to when they were picking up their kids and I was handing out my story started telling me about she homeschooled her kid up until, I think, fifth grade or something. Then he decided he wanted to go to public school and get you know meet some more friends and see what they did. So she let him. He went to the public school for six months, uh, and that's all he lasted. And he had an interesting final story. I think this he was maybe 13 or something, and he got a new shirt for his birthday. It was like a dress shirt like his father wore, and he unbuttoned the top two buttons and went to school. And a teacher called him out. Nope, you have to have only one button up button. So he got sent to the principal. And the principal said, same story. And he says, well, I was walking here and I saw a bunch of girls that had two buttons unbuttoned. And the principal says, girls are allowed to do two buttons, but boys can only have one button. And he says, you can't do that. You can't have a separate rule for girls. Girls and boys have to have the same rules. So the principal called his mom and threatened to suspend him for three days for insubordination or something. Not allowed to fight against the rule. And anyway, his mom gave the the principal an earful, so he didn't get suspended for three days for that. But he came home that that day and said, I don't want to go to the public school anymore. So she put him in this homeschool cooperative, which is now a private school. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting story. If somebody's doing that at age 13... I want to check in on them 10 years, see if they're an attorney or doing something, running something. So I taught about 35 students. I gave out 50 copies of the Constitution on Constitution Day, half a dozen in Maria's Cafe to friends and employees at breakfast, 
two to my Uber drivers there and back, one to the printer who printed my slides. I gave about half a dozen out to the Vine and Barley Stewart when I was uh, playing guitar that evening. And I gave one, this wasn't actually, this was actually the week before, but I got pulled over for stopping two feet past the white line at a stop sign. And uh, I gave the nice, nice officer a copy of the Constitution. Tried to make him a little less nervous because it happened at midnight. And when he walked up to me, he put his hand like directly over top of his gun. I saw that in my mirror. So I'd heard something from my friend Roland. If you see that and a cop pulls you over, put both your hands on the steering wheel. Cop will appreciate that. I also saw it in a video on how not to get your ass kicked by the cops. So I learned that lesson twice. And uh, I think the cop, cop kind of looked at me and nodded his hand. And I left my hands on the steering wheel until he asked me for my license. What Roland said is, don't go rooting around in your glove box at midnight with a cop walking up to you with his hand on his gun. He doesn't really know what you're looking for. Bad plan. Another thing I did for Constitution Day is I called into the WSQF FM 94.5 in Key Biscayne. That's Blink Radio. It's a station, a show called Free Range Politics, hosted by Manuel Cambo and Ed Vidal. Spent about 45 minutes talking to him about Constitution Day and the Constitution, and we got into states' authority and evil presidents, which one was worse, and it was interesting. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell the story of my getting rejected for teaching in the government school and my teaching in the uh, private school on WGUL 860 AM in Tampa, Florida. That's a show called The Captain's America Third Watch. It's on from 2 to 6 AM. Online, it's AM 860, The Answer. There's a free app called AM 860, The Answer. It's a good one because there's 80 radio affiliates in the U.S., and it's also on the uh, on the web in hundreds of countries people listen to it. So that should be fun. I'm going to talk about Constitution Day there, too. But I digress. My summary slide is natural rights are the source of our rights. Government is created by the people to ensure their liberty and their rights. As it says, it's a government of, by, and for the people. The states created the federal government. The federal government is defined by the Constitution. That's where the states delegated certain authority that they have to the federal government. Our government is a constitutional republic. It's not a democracy. And only the states can change the Constitution. The states are the party to the contract of the Constitution. Only the states can change it. And we have federalism. The federal government has limited delegated powers, and the states and the people have everything not expressly delegated to the federal government. If you're wondering what I can do about the overreaching federal government, so the first thing is visit conventionofstates.com. That's something you can do. That has the what, why, and who about the grassroots organization. There are support statements from national figures. You can download the Citizen's Pocket Guide. That's a short read. explains the project. In there, you can read about the three topics that are being called for in a convention to propose amendments, also called a convention of states. One is restrict the power and jurisdiction of the federal government to the expressly delegated authority in the Constitution. Number two, impose fiscal restraints on them. 
no borrowing a trillion dollars a year from the next generation to pay for stuff for giving away now. Third one is term limits. I call this the swamp drain amendment. So for the Supreme Court, for Congress, the three-letter agency heads, put some term limits on them. And at the meeting of the states, the states will debate exactly which offices get term limits and what they are. Uh, All they do now is just call for the meeting. And the meeting's limited to these three topics. They're not allowed to propose other topic amendments. They'll probably discuss a few, but formally they cannot propose them. At the bottom of the website, the Convention of States website, uh, there's a plus you can hit and has more info about it. If you agree with the project, you can hit the next plus, which is called Take Action. There's a petition you can sign that automatically goes to your state legislator to let them know your view. You can also join a volunteer team. Somebody will call you if you click volunteer. There's lots of roles where you can help. For more info on how the actual Convention of States meeting would work, you can listen to the Free to Be Free podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts or Apple iTunes. Just search for four separate words, free to be free. There's about 16 episodes that covers a wide variety of topics related to how a convention would work. So thanks for listening to Liberty Solutions. Please like us and subscribe. The people. We the people. We the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. And secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. To ordain and establish this constitution. Do ordain and establish this Constitution. For the United States of America! The question facing us and facing our fellow countrymen is a two-word question. Very simply, who decides? The American founders had a simple answer. We, the people, decide. decide.